0: Decarbonizing the energy sector of modern day will be one of the most challenging obstacles of our time, but it will also present an opportunity for pioneers to achieve the impossible. Energy demand is increasing, and so is the need to produce that energy sustainably so we can reach our net zero goals. This is the Core Knowledge Podcast, where we sit down with the leaders and innovators in the geothermal energy space, tackling the challenges of modern day, in order to make geothermal everywhere a reality for tomorrow. From shallow to deep, heat to electricity, and even healthcare to agriculture, we will bring to light the many benefits of geothermal. Join us as we journey across the globe to
1: bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Core Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sestari, and this is the show where we're on a quest to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. And we're able to do this thanks to JRG Energy, who is the inaugural sponsor of the Core Knowledge Podcast and who is championing us in our mission to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet. So thank you to JRG Energy and the team. I couldn't make this possible without you guys, so just appreciate the support. And also the support of you listeners out there. Thank you for being along this ride with us. And just thank you for pushing us through this 10 months. Uh, It's hard to believe we're here. Uh, Just thank you so much. And please continue to pass along the show. Leave us a like, subscribe, and leave us a review uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it and connecting with you guys out there. So Today is is an episode that I've been thinking about for quite some time now and and planning out and just hoping that the connection would work. And I'm excited and honored to say that it's happened. And so I'm, I'm pleased to be here today with Jack Kiruja, who is uh, an analyst in the geothermal space for the IRENA, which is the International Renewable Energy Agency. Uh, and so for those of you who may not know much about them, we'll dive in today, obviously more, but just an overview there. It's basically an intergovernmental organization that supports countries in their transition to a sustainable energy future. And obviously, there's much more to that. And we'll let Jack kind of elaborate on specifically in the geothermal space what he's doing. So, uh, yeah, without any more waiting, uh, just extremely excited for this episode. So, Jack, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, It's just an honor to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Nick, for having me. I'm happy to be here to talk about geothermal.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So, I guess uh, to kick things off, let's just get the audience uh, acquainted with you and yourself and let's kind of just, if you could, give a background uh, of you know your background, kind of education background, and then how you ended up working with geothermal, uh, specifically with uh, Irina.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by JRG Energy. A special thank you to our inaugural Core Knowledge Podcast sponsor. JRG Energy is a renewable energy project management consultancy working on geothermal projects around the world, whose mission is to provide value and develop relationships through a full suite of specialized services for the global renewable energy market. They are driven by innovation, experience, and integrity and strive daily to display these values through all aspects of their work. JRG Energy provides customized energy solutions, project management, engineering, technical support, consulting, and training for the renewable energy sector. JRG Energy has an extensive geothermal portfolio of projects around the world, ranging from World Bank reports to well-intervention work, and they support the core knowledge mission to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. If you want to find out more, you can visit www.jrgenergy.com. Energy, energy, delivering solutions today for a better tomorrow.
1: Well, thank you, Nick. Um, so by training, I'm, a, I'm an engineer and um, my career in uh, geothermal began immediately after I did my undergraduate uh, degree. And as I always say, I, I think my journey in geothermal was an accident. It began as an accident because after my engineering studies, I was looking for a job. And the first job I found was in this uh, company in Kenya that had recently been established uh, to support uh, the development of geothermal. It was called the Geothermal Development Company. And mm, that in yeah. 2010. So uh, uh, Geothermal Development Company, or GDC, as we used to call it, um, was established at a very interesting time in Kenya when the country was uh, um, experiencing a lot of power blackouts. And this is because of the at the time the country was relying uh, very heavily on the hydro power. But because of climate change, um, the hydro resources were not enough to supply the power that was needed. So what the country did at the time was to substitute um, uh, hydro with um, with fossil fuels. Um, emergency power backup. And this now led to another problem of very high costs for energy. Yeah, Yeah, and because of that, the the country was in this uh, state where they had to find a solution, a domestic solution that would work for them. And it happened that geothermal was one of the uh, resources that the country had that was not uh, exploited to its full potential. And so um, I joined the company at this particular time And uh, it's been a really exciting uh, journey uh, because uh, during the period that I was working with this company, um, the country was able to increase its uh, geothermal power production from around 200 megawatts to close to 900 megawatts uh, today. Wow! Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's incredible.
1: And then uh, also another interesting fact about this company is that it had a very interesting uh, business model. And this model was created specifically to address a challenge that the policymakers uh, uh, correctly predicted was going to happen. So as you know, many uh, investors are worried about uh, investing in geothermal because of the perceived risks, um, Mm -hmm. high upfront costs, and the long lead time for geothermal projects. And so this company was created specifically to address that issue. So um, it was uh, to engage in in, uh, early-stage drilling, to the risk geothermal projects. And once these uh, uh, geothermal steam was on the surface, then it could be sold to uh, power plant developers for electricity generation. And so uh, when I joined this company, um, it also had another vision, which was uh, apart from electricity generation, it also wanted to have a holistic approach to geothermal development. So they uh, had an aspect of direct use And I was um, among the lucky people, as I would say, who uh, got into direct use at the time. But direct use was a new topic in the country that was not well understood, that was not well known. And so um, when it began, we had to go through a couple of trainings, mainly in uh, in Iceland at the Geothermal Training Program, and also in the U.S. at the Oregon Institute of Technology. But then after these trainings, then we embarked on the process of developing direct uses uh, or more promoting direct uses uh, for the country. And so um, we were involved in the development of some uh, feasibility studies for a few direct use applications. And then later, we, um, I was involved also in the development of some direct user demonstration projects which were used as tools uh, first of all to demonstrate the concept of direct use uh, being a new thing in in the country and also as a a tool for marketing and promoting uh, direct uses. Then uh, after being there for a while in 2019, I joined IRENA, where I've been uh, for the last three years. And this was a uh, Another interesting phase because I had to transition from being a technical person to uh, a person now who has to support uh, policymakers in in establishing enabling frameworks for geothermal. And so at IRENA, I work uh, in the Secretariat of the uh, Global Geothermal Alliance, which is an initiative uh, through which IRENA implements uh, its geothermal-related activities.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. That's, yeah, that's two very different uh, spectrums of the geothermal space, which is actually a really unique perspective that you got to do the technical sort of boots on the ground, uh, you know, developing projects, working with communities, working with you know developers, and, and obviously the direct uses and, and kind of trying to make the model work and put it together to show people that it's yeah, there's risk, but obviously to show people that it that it can work and it can do much more for you than just electricity. Um, so I think that's really cool and honestly probably gave you quite a great background and, and experience to then go into IRENA and kind of be able to talk with policymakers and, and the people inside IRENA and the outside external stakeholders and, and have a a good frame of reference to talk from because you obviously spent time you know, actually developing geothermal projects, so that's that's a really unique um, experience. And and it's funny how he say it's by accident, but it is. I mean, sometimes that's how it happens. You just you roll into something unexpectedly, and then here you are, ten years later, and you're still still championing geothermal. And I think uh, Kenya is one of the, the greatest examples of just energy energy security and domestic supplies of energy, and really taking advantage of what it can do for your country Uh, and there's a lot to learn from them. So I guess, well, I just want to dive into a little bit more on you and, and Irina. And so maybe let's just give a a little bit of a, you know, summary or synopsis of what a day to day for Jack looks like, uh, you know, in the Irina, you know, in terms of, you mentioned kind of high level, what you do, but what is, what is kind of the main, you know, some of the main things that you focus on in a day to day,
1: well, uh, thank you, uh, Nick. Um, yeah, I mean, Arena is, uh, is, is uh, as, you, as you correctly said uh, during the introduction, it's an intergovernmental organization that supports countries in their transition to a sustainable energy future. And it supports countries to develop all forms of renewable energy. So uh, wind, solar, hydro, bioenergy, ocean energy, and, and our beloved uh, geothermal energy. Uh, and of course, uh, the, the mandate that uh, IRENE has been given by uh, its member countries is uh, really to uh, encourage them to develop and adopt enabling frameworks. And it does not only encourage them, but it also goes ahead to provide them with tools that can enable them to uh, push uh, renewables to the next level. Uh, for example, some of the tools, there's the, the, uh, the Global Atlas for Renewable Energy. So these are resource assessment tools that provides the potential of different renewable energy sources in different countries. Uh, we have also some tools, uh, uh, the, the Project Navigator. Uh, These are tools that uh, project developers can use to establish the bankability of the renewable energy projects. Uh, and also some platforms that have been recently developed to uh, support in, in uh, uh, raising financing for projects. Uh, apart from that, also Irina, he's uh, also involved in... Uh, um, sharing knowledge uh, with the countries. And in this regard, Irina is involved in the development of a number of um, uh, publications uh, on different topics, uh, mainly on policy, on technology, as well as uh, finance. Um, um, and, and then um, I think one what I would say is the chief role of Irina really is to be a platform for international cooperation, whereby... Yeah. Different countries come to engage uh, with each other, and uh, in that regard, so far, Irina has around 167 member countries, uh, and oh, wow. including the European Union and 17 other states in accession. So that's almost a global or universal uh, membership for Irina. Yeah, and um, I mean, some of the work that Irina has been doing is, um, uh, is in terms of. Um, uh, developing knowledge there are several reports that IRENA develops uh, on a yearly basis so there are reports do with the statistics for renewable energy so this is an, an annual report that is published um, every year with uh, uh, indicating how uh, renewables have been growing over over time and one of the trends that can be seen in in, in these reports is that over the last five or six years um, the installed capacity for renewable every for, for new installed capacity has always surpassed that of the fossil fuels, which, which is a great thing uh, to observe. There are also reports that are related to the cost of renewables, mainly the levelized cost and also the cost per, uh, per megawatt. Yeah. Then um, we also have uh, reports related to the market structures for renewables, the socioeconomics of uh, renewable energy, including jobs uh, and um, integration of gender into the um, Renewable and and the energy transition, and of course I can I cannot uh, fail to mention as a flagship uh, uh, publication, the World Energy Transitions Outlook, okay. that um, spells the pathway that we ne- yeah. we all need to adopt in order to get to get to a carbon neutral world by
0: two thousand and fifty. Yeah, wow. No, I mean that's it's a, that's a that's a lot of. Ground that they're covering, and it really gives a good picture of, um, you know, obviously, intergovernmental organization, and and you know, the overview is is helpful, but that really puts some more color on exactly all of the the initiatives that Irina is pushing for, which obviously is is a lot, and as you mentioned, it's it's we're talking every renewable energy source in a in a holistic piece, you know, from obviously policy, financing, product development. So I think it's important to note all that. And obviously we're here to talk about, as you mentioned, our beloved geothermal, uh, which I think deserves more of a seat and more of a conversation than maybe sometimes it gets. And, and a kind of something that just popped in my mind as you're talking is, you know, you're talking about the tools that can help project developers evaluate bankability. There's ways to help raise project financing. And so there's all these tools in there and, and, you know, publications and education awareness. and, And, you know, so I kind of want to ask you, obviously, being inside Irena and working specifically in the geothermal space, you know, as someone such as myself or just an outsider who's reading some of these main reports that Irena puts out that are detailing the pathway, how do we get there, also detailing, you know, the what renewable is on track or not on track and kind of the added capacity, you know, why do you think sometimes geothermal doesn't get kind of the you know, doesn't, it doesn't represent a very large portion of any of these pathways or these solutions to the getting to a carbon neutral world. It's in there and it's sometimes listed as other renewables or it's a small piece. And so, you know, just from your experience in Kenya and obviously just understanding the resource, why do you think that even from within the arena or just, you know, the, that geothermal doesn't get as much of a voice or, or as much focus as, maybe solar and wind have in the last five or six years?
1: I mean, Nick, this this is a very interesting question that you ask. And um, for me, uh, I've been very conflicted about this topic. Uh, First, because when I started working um, in Kenya, I I got into my working life when my country was thinking about geothermal. And for the close to 10 years that I worked there, that was the main focus of the government. And uh, there was a lot of resources that were put into geothermal. And um, we, we, we got to grow geothermal to a point where um, close to 50% of the power generation from Kenya was coming from geothermal. Now, when I joined Arena, then I also got now to experience a different as- uh, side of geothermal, which um, I, I hadn't experienced before. And, and, and that was um, apparently most... Uh, Most people uh, think of geothermal very differently, Uh, and part of the reason is because uh, there are perceptions about geothermal, uh, chief among them being perception about the risk uh, of geothermal. Also, the cost uh, implication and the long lead time for geothermal projects. I think this has really uh, been the main hindrance that has been uh, preventing geothermal from Having this kind of an accelerated growth like the other renewables, despite being uh, one of the oldest renewable energy resources uh, around. Um, yeah, and I think uh, Irina is also, has, has also recognized that a um, challenge with geothermal. And uh, that's why they have a specific work stream that's dedicated to geothermal energy in order to be able to, to bridge uh, that gap and address the ch- some of the challenges that. Uh, that are are, um, in the geothermal sector.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's, it's interesting. I ask just because it's, I, I've asked other people on the show that question more out of just a a curiosity of wanting to get their input as a geothermal, uh, you know, instigator or proponent or just someone who's actually working in geothermal. Uh, But obviously, since we have you on and you're inside of the arena and you're part of the efforts, uh, you know, just wanted to get your perspective on, you know, I think that, I think I hear the, the same kind of things that come up often, which is the long lead time, the high upfront costs, the risk, um, you know, and and I only can lean on my experience, obviously, which has been uh, oil and gas as my career. That's like, that's all I've done. Uh, just thinking about, you know, not just oil and gas specific, but obviously the history of energy and just kind of the ways that we've evolved uh, as uh, a world. And, and even if I bring it back to the US, it's just interesting to think about, you know, how subsurface risk is, is something that we take on very readily and very quickly and easily sometimes in oil and gas space, when you're talking about offshore exploration, you know, and and even just in unconventional shale, there's, there's a lot of subsurface risk that was at the beginning, one of the hindrances, but then people just began developing it. And as they Continue doing it, they would learn, they would innovate, they would learn. And so it kind of just over time became uh, somewhat of a understood risk, even though there's still always risk, it became sort of you were, people were comfortable with it, investors were comfortable with it, companies were willing to put capital towards it. Um, and obviously, different realm we're talking about, obviously, in terms of how you make the money, and, and it is a lot faster re- returns. But I think geothermal, I think you put it perfectly of just saying kind of misunderstanding, I would say sometimes, or misperception. A lot of people don't understand it or don't really fully get it, or you know, there's just not this global buy-in yet on demanding high capacity factor, you know, resilient renewables. I think the push to get renewables is there and the, and the desire to clean up the grid and, and go carbon neutral is there. It's just maybe... We're maybe one step or two steps behind, and I, and I think we're getting there, and I'm really excited to see what the next two, two to five years looks like, because I do think geothermal will eventually become sort of, I call it mainstream, or just more in, in in people's view and in the discussion in the global sense and in a country sense and in just a local government sense, because I do think people will begin to slowly realize it, that there's Obviously, the electricity is the is base load, and that's a benefit. But the like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, the, the direct uses, you know, direct heat and being able to use heating and cooling and then being able to do all the agriculture and aquaculture and, and just the, the list goes on and on, um, I think is is such a huge piece of it. So, you know, I say all that to just be kind of on the optimistic side, but also on the side of things that I do think geothermal, you know, will people will become more okay with some of those risks or the higher cost to develop just because the benefits do outweigh the risks in some scenarios. And and I think if we just have, I mean, I think we really just need to go start developing it globally, not just in the places where it's easy to access uh, so that we can learn, share those knowledge and innovate, which I know obviously is a big piece of of the arena is the education piece. So, you know, I kind of want to jump from now that i'm done on my soapbox over here which no one's here to listen to me uh the you know i want to talk about kind of the global geothermal alliance uh which is part of you know that dedicated effort inside the arena and, and kind of maybe drill down beyond just the arenas initiatives and kind of focus on the global geothermal alliance and and just have you give us a kind of a an overview of some of the Recent and and most urgent and important things that the Global Geothermal Alliance is is working
2: on. Hey there, everybody! It's your host Nick Sestari. Just wanted to take a break here uh, from this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in thus far. Hope you're enjoying uh, this wonderful episode. I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by JRG Energy, delivering solutions today for a better tomorrow. So thank you, JRG Energy, and enjoy the rest of this amazing episode. And thank you for your support.
1: uh, Yannick, I mean, I would would first of all want to just follow up on some of the things that you mentioned. Uh, about geothermal, like when when people hear about um, uh, somebody wanting to explore the underground, then people really get uncomfortable about that uh, for various reasons. And this has actually been uh, one of uh, a key uh, hindrance to the development of geothermal. But also uh, when... The geothermal resources are developed, then what you get on the surface is not just one product, but you get multiple products from the geothermal resource. So you can get the heat, you can get the electricity, you can get the the, the water. And these are resources that um, uh, can be used by the people uh, who live around the geothermal um, uh, resources and by the people using this, these resources and benefiting from them then this can help to change the perception about geothermal. And so yeah. the public perception that has been against geothermal cannot turn towards support of geothermal just because of this. And um, yeah, just to talk about the Global Geothermal Alliance. So it's a multi stakeholder platform uh, that was established um, by Irina in 2015 at the COP21. So this makes it a climate initiative. And uh, it's a platform that was established to enhance dialogue among geothermal stakeholders. And and of course this is leveraging on IRENA's convening power uh, based on it's almost a universal membership. Uh, The Alliance is also uh, a platform for cooperation and coordinated action among geothermal stakeholders in order to foster geothermal development worldwide. And as a multi stakeholder platform, it has many many, uh, partners and many members. So, at the moment, we are talking of 100 members who have joined the Global Geothermal Alliance, and these include 49 countries represented by various government uh, ministries. And there are also uh, 51 partner institutions, and these ones uh, come from a wide range of uh, uh, sectors. So, we have the geothermal industry associations uh, of course led by the international geothermal association as one of uh, the key partners of the uh, of the global geothermal alliance uh, there are also international other international organizations that have joined the alliance uh, we also have uh, regional organizations uh, international financial organization and also academia uh, so the institutions that have programs uh, doing research on geothermal have also joined the alliance um, and they contribute to the work of the alliance through their own activities. So the Alliance has an inspirational goal of um, uh, supporting its members in, uh, to, to realize a five-fold growth in power and a two-fold growth in geothermal heat by 2030, as compared okay. to 2014. But then um, recently, when we looked at the, uh, the growth in geothermal heat, then it was realized um, over the last five years, the geothermal heating has grown by 52%. And it was felt that it was uh, necessary to revise the heating target for geothermal. So instead of it being two-fold growth by 2030, it was revised to uh, three-fold growth by 2030. And this was done through an energy compact that was done uh, in collaboration between IRENA and the International Geothermal Association. Now, in terms of how the global geothermal alliance works, it takes two uh, approaches with regard to its work. First is the regional approach, whereby it looks at um, uh, supporting regions that have substantial geothermal resources. Um, and also it helps when these regions also have a pipeline of projects that they are planning to develop, as well as um, existing structures for, for, for supporting geothermal, uh, through which uh, Irina can try to uh, provide synergies. The second approach is um, a thematic approach where uh, we are looking, especially at the, the issue of geothermal heat, because we realize that there's a lot of growth in geothermal heat and we see heat uh, uh, being uh, a catalyst for further geothermal development. So in that regard, uh, uh, the Global Geothermal Alliance is working on two, two main uh, work streams for heat. One is on district heating and cooling, and the other one is on the use of geothermal in the agri-food sector.
0: Yeah. Well, No, I mean, I think, yeah, wow. Well, that's a great overview. And I mean, I have briefly looked at some of the initiatives and things that the Global Geothermal Alliance is doing, but that's, it's cool to, it's cool to know that it's, the, you know, IRENA is using it's some of its power or just, you know, some of its reach with its almost universal membership and, and just kind of the initiatives it does to, to spun off and do this kind of help with this Global Geothermal Alliance also with the IGA and push this sort of I mean, it's the topic that we talk about a lot on the show and it's just the same. It comes up every time almost because it, it is just the necessary piece, which a lot of it is the creating a space for dialogue, creating a space for collaboration, educating, advocating, you know, the development piece and the R&D and the innovation and research is, is obviously always going to be necessary and needed, but it's it's really key for this collaborative spirit where everyone's coming together and sharing best practices, sharing knowledge, sharing with the, as you mentioned, making it, you know, more personal for the external stakeholders such as the consumers and really giving them a way to tie in to geothermal on a personal level beyond just, Oh, it's some crazy invisible subsurface thing that they drill big wells and it looks scary and risky and, and probably harming my, City or my community, when in reality that's that's far from the truth. Obviously, there's always risk, but you know, giving them a reason to say, "Oh, that's how I heat my home. That's how we get our source of food because of you know the agriculture uses." So, I think that's that's great, and I think that's an that's an amazing alliance and amazing effort that is being yeah. done. And you know, the-
1: yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, partnerships are, are, are very critical, and I would say especially for the geothermal sector, whereby uh, I mean. Uh, previously we've uh, been in a situation where it was always very difficult to know what another country was doing
2: uh,
1: with regard to geothermal development uh, or even within the same country. It would uh, sometimes be very difficult to know what one project is doing and what another project is doing. Now, what the Global Geothermal Alliance is trying to do is to bring people together so that they start having a dialogue, uh, start exchanging ideas. And uh, I mean, in most cases you find the challenges that somebody is facing, you find that somebody else has found a solution for that uh, that problem, and it's yeah. something that you can you can adopt and tailor make to to suit your circumstances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think partnerships. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at any energy sector or any energy you know that has ever grown or or gone global. It's it's really uh, true that you have partnerships, and also I think. Key, key partnerships in other industries where geothermal is working with industrial sector, is working with the green hydrogen space, is working with, you know, the list we could go on for days, but I think that that's, that's so key is that not just focusing only on the resource and developing it and then putting electricity or, you know, bringing steam or water, hot water to the surface, but really thinking beyond that of how, you know, who do we strategically partner with to create a Pipeline just create a a perception about geothermal because if one big industrial company says hey we're choosing to now be powered by geothermal then other people start naturally asking the question of well wait what is why, why are you doing that what is that tell me more and then it just kind of you know rolls the ball further down the down the line which is great so I think uh, you mentioned the agri food and agricultural side of things and I kind of want to just touch on it since it was recently released uh, the report that. Irina and and yourself worked on, which was the, you know, basically the impact of geothermal inside the agricultural agri-food, you know, business. And so if you could just give us a, I I don't want to spoil it because I want people to go read it, but if you could just give us the high level summary, the executive summary of what that report uh, was detailing. Hey there, Core Knowledge family. It's your host, Nick Sestari here. Hope you're enjoying this episode. and um, Thank you for all of your support and for listening. Hope you're learning more about geothermal energy and just the the whole space and, and what it can offer from a flexible energy source to baseload to agricultural and food resources. Um, but I just wanted to put this plug in here uh, about geothermal rising. Excited to be a media partner for this year's conference, uh, August 28th through the 31st in reno nevada at the peppermill resort spa casino so really excited to be be there and if you're interested in setting up an interview or just a conversation or want to be in our video that we're creating um, covering the conference and just highlighting geothermal in this amazing event please reach out to me Uh, and yeah look forward to seeing everyone there and just furthering the call and championing geothermal and thank you again for your support Uh, please enjoy the rest of this episode
1: Yeah, um, yeah, so as, as we've said, that uh, these, uh, the use of geothermal for agri-food applications is um, an, an area that we're seeing emerging around the world. So, I mean, we can find projects and examples of these in almost every region in this world where uh, geothermal resources are being used in different uh, value chains, in food production, in the drying of food, in processing of food, in cold storage and refrigeration. And uh, uh, this is uh, enabled by the fact that um, geothermal is not, um, I mean, we talked about the different streams of uh, energy that you get from geothermal. And when it comes to the agri-food, then the heat um, uh, stream is one of the most important things uh, because it can be used along most of these value chains. Uh, And and as as we look at the world, as as the population is increasing, uh, the climate is changing, the the demand for food is increasing, then we are faced with a a, a challenge that if we do not act now, we might be faced with a shortage of food Mm -hmm. at one point. And so uh, this this guidebook looks uh, into how we can be able to use geothermal to address the challenges that uh, the world is facing today with regard to the food systems. And it, it goes deeper into analyzing uh, different case studies from around the world that have successfully used geothermal um, in, their, in, the, in, their, in their processes. It looks at some of the um, the key success factors that led to those projects um, being realized. And then um, the, the, the report makes some recommendations for policymakers on what they can adopt um, and tailor make to the individual circumstances in order to realize similar success with the development of uh, geothermal direct uses. And um, I mean, after the release of this report, which was uh, last week on Monday, we have started to embark on uh, a couple of capacity building activities. So just yesterday, we had a webinar, a global webinar, to share the findings of this uh, uh, report and also to present some successful case studies from around the world and we're going to be having a series of these uh, uh, uh capacity building workshops in other regions starting with East Africa and Latin America in the coming uh, weeks and months
0: wow yeah that's no that's great i think you know i think reports like that in, in global reach and, and being you know leaning on case studies and sharing that with people, but also the the policy piece and and giving people a roadmap to you know to governments to say look this is kind of the framework that you'll need this is some of the the things that this place adopted from a policy standpoint to help this make you know make this possible and I think that's one of the biggest areas that every government around the world is you know very different and there's different hurdles to to policy making there's different hurdles to development but I do think that at least having a global central source like the IRENA, you know, giving out these case studies and these reports that at least detail, you know, how this country did it or this project did it and kind of giving at least a framework for policymaking really does go a long way. And I, and I really hope that that is a, a driver and a push to, um, you know, see it grow around the world even more, because I, I agree with you, the food shortage thing could be a, a big issue. And also just thinking about a lot of the places in the world that already have issues with food, you know, and people having you know sustainable food production or just nourishment, and I think being able to put a greenhouse anywhere, regardless of the climate, using geothermal is is a pretty that's uh, a pretty big thing that that should should be talked about more, um, you know. And so I think that's that's a huge piece. So I guess one of the one of the last questions that I, I'll have for you um, before we do our rapid fire hot seat questions uh, is kind of. We talked about it kind of near the beginning about you know the the basically the tools to help analyze bankability and, and the raising finance piece. So I want to kind of talk about the the ETAF um, and you know kind of I obviously I, you know to to what degree you can just kind of giving us a, a, a overview of that and, and that tool and kind of how that fits into this overall mission of IRENA for you know the actual finance piece. Hey there, Core Knowledge family. It's your host, Nick Sestari. I'm just checking in here. Hope you are enjoying this episode and finding it fascinating. I'm learning something new today. I just wanted to pop in here for a quick break and let everyone know that beginning in August, the show will be moving to bi-weekly. So there'll be two episodes a month. Uh, We're just doing this for Uh, the ease of production and just making things a little easier in terms of gathering guests and just getting things done properly for you guys for the listeners making sure the quality is up there that the guests are quality that you're learning something new every time and really gaining something uh, and just really understanding the geothermal energy sector and space with a greater sense of knowledge and just a greater sense of awe and imagination so yeah, we will be moving to bi-weekly, so we're not going anywhere. So please, for those of you who are already following the show or are used to weekly downloads, it'll just be every other week now. Uh, so no real change to content or anything, just frequency-wise, we'll be moving to every other week. So please continue to support the show. We couldn't do this without you guys and JRG, obviously. I uh, just really appreciate everything you guys have done and just the way that you have Supported this show and found an interest in it. It just means everything to me. So thank you, and continue to share and spread the word. So just want to put that plug out there. Thank you, guys, and we'll be in touch soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Nick, this is one of the the new initiatives that Irina has been working on, um, and um, so uh, in 2020 and uh, 2021, so two. Um, Platforms were established and they are managed by Arena, uh, but they are much stakeholder uh, platforms for attracting climate financing for, to support renewable energy projects. And so in these platforms, on one end, we have uh, partners who offer various support mechanisms to projects, such as uh, financing, uh, capacity building, and technical assistance. And, and these partners, they register on these platforms to be able to provide these uh, services to, to projects. On the other side, we have uh, projects that are registered on these platforms. And these projects, they apply for different services, either for project facilitation or for financing. And then in between, we have IRENA uh, acting as an intermediary, uh, trying to link the projects and the partners, uh, so uh, through matchmaking. Uh, and also some projects that have found not to have gotten to the point of um, uh, f- financial viability uh, or financial bankability, then Irina supports them to get to that point so that they can be matched with um, w- with the uh, financiers. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the platforms is uh, the one that you mentioned, the ETF, the Energy Transition Accelerator Financing. So this one was established uh, in 2021. That's uh, last year, um, through an anchor f- uh, f- f- funding from the Abu Dhabi Fund, uh, uh, the Abu Dhabi Fund for Development. So they provided about 400 million for this uh, project, but the uh, but the facility aims to raise up to one billion dollars by 2030 oh, to wow. support new energy projects. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And ultimately, they they hope to finance projects um, with a capacity of up to 1.5 gigawatts. Oh,
0: wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And uh, also, uh, let me briefly mention about the second uh, platform. It's called the Climate Investment Platform, or CIP. Again, these are a platform that was established uh, by IRENA uh, and uh, the United Nations Development Program and Sustainable Energy for All in collaboration with the, uh, the Green Climate Fund. And uh, and its objective is again to mobilize financing for renewable energy projects. So it works the same way uh, as, as ETAF. And uh, so far, uh, it has been able to identify 26 projects that have gotten to the point of being uh, match-made uh, with, uh, with, with, uh, with the financiers. And it's anticipated once this project gets financing, then uh, a total of 1 billion US dollars will be required to get them online.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are two, I mean, amazing initiatives. I think that's a big gap and big piece that has been, you know, I'll say, I'll say missing only because on a global scale, when you look at the amount of money solar and wind and some of the other uh, energy sources get for funding, you know, geothermal has been a relative small, small minority of that and lacking in the funding piece or just vehicles to get financing, you know, matched with geothermal projects or just educating uh, you know the the money to where to go and how to invest in geothermal. So I think those are really two amazing initiatives, and want to touch on that because I just think that's a valuable valuable piece and, and just an encouragement to say to the geothermal uh, constituent or just the listeners out there that you know there is it is being done, funds are being mobilized. It may take um, you know five to ten years to really see some major movement there and some effects, but it's it's encouraging to see. So, well, you know, thank you, Jack, for just I mean time always flies on on these shows but thank you for your time and your insight and just giving us you know a little look into Irina and some of the work they're doing gl- globally for all energy sources obviously but just in geothermal specifically as well and and just really a pleasure and honor to have you on the show today but I I can't let you go until we do the hot seat questions that I do with every every guest so we'll start with the first question which is Uh, just a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self or to someone who's in university and maybe doesn't know what they want to do uh, for their career?
1: Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Um, Yeah, um, I mean, when I look at the younger me, uh, that person was very, very curious. And what I would tell that person is to continue being curious, being intellectually curious, Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, we we can tend to dismiss our own curiosity as being misplaced. Or sometimes, you know, we have questions and these questions get lost in the motions of life. But, um, I mean, the more we remain curious, then the more we start learning um, about what we are curious about. We also start learning about the right questions to ask. And when you get to learn the right question to ask, uh, then you, you start getting very deeper insights into the subject matter. And if this curiosity leads you to renewable energy and more specifically to geothermal energy, <laughs> then keep rolling with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're in the right place. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're in the right place. You're curious about the right thing. That's a good, that's a good one. No, that's, that's a really good piece of advice. Um, uh, Yeah. No, that's, I really, really hits home with me and, it, and I hope that it does for the audience as well. So uh, question number two is uh, across your time and career, what's, what's one of your most Favorite experiences you've had, whether that be a project you've worked on, or just a location you've you've been, or, or just any it can be anything. What's one of your your fondest memories in your career?
1: I mean, for for me, uh, Nick. I mean, th- there there are so many experiences that I have come across great great uh, experiences, but I would say one of my um, most memorable uh, it's a uh, this is a small project that i was i I was part of when I was still in kenya uh, and it was the development of a demonstration project for direct uses The reason i I, um, I find this project to be um, one of my best experiences is because of the impact that this project has had first in terms of creating awareness around geothermal direct uses uh, this was a totally new subject in my country when um when we, we when, when when I began working in the geothermal industry, but then uh, due to the development of this project, then people have gotten to see geothermal in action, geothermal direct use in action. Uh, and I remember uh, when visitors would come to to visit the geothermal field and would be taken to this uh, small project, they would have so many questions to ask about it. And uh, wh- one one beautiful thing about um, um, this project project and direct uses in general is that they tend to uh, lead to the creation of very beautiful stories that give geothermal yeah. a human face and it's because people can easily relate to those projects because they touch on their daily lives and, and and for me this project will remain one of my best
0: yeah no that's amazing that's that's the that's kind of my mission and, and the whole goal behind this podcast is giving geothermal human face so that's that's a really uh, you stated it beautifully, and that's that's an amazing uh, experience that I'm, I'm sure will will stay with you forever. So, um, thanks for sharing. And, and last last question we'll leave the audience with is uh, a favorite book recommendation that you have. It can be a recent one you're reading, or it can be an all time favorite, uh, or whatever comes to top of mind.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. There's this is book that I just started reading uh, recently. It's called The New Map. Energy, oh, yeah. Climate, mm-hmm. and the Clash of Nations by Daniel Yegin. Yeah. So um, it, it talks about a new world map that is not defined by the geographical boundaries, but more by the dynamics that come into play as, as countries are, uh, relate that, with each other with regard to discovery, exploitation, trade, and utilization of energy. So first from fossil fuels and now to renewables. And now we are getting to this stage where energy transition and climate action are uh, the main talk uh, of, of the of the town, and the dynamics in, in all these are have gone beyond the energy sector into other places like financing, where uh, financiers are, uh, you know, a, a bit jittery about putting so much money in in um, fossil fuels, just because. Uh, they are realizing that the momentum is already with with the renewables, and there's a danger of having, you know, uh, stranded assets that have been yeah. financed but cannot pay for themselves. So I'm um, I'm finding this book very interesting because also it gives some kind of a history of of how all this has has taken place uh, over time, and also looks at uh, what's happening in different countries, uh, in the U.S., in China, in Russia, and 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 in the Middle East. And I mean, it's quite captivating, and it's a good story.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I've I just started it recently too. It's a it's a really great book, and and one for um, really any any reader. I mean, it gives a great picture, like you said, of the history of of a lot of you know geopolitical things that have gone on, and how it honestly sets up the stage really well for how we got to today, and and kind of how we move forward. So, no, that's a that's a good one, and I'll share that in the show notes for the listeners. But yeah, thank you again Jack and and thank you just for for coming on and and really, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, just an episode I thought about and dreamt of for quite some time when I started this initiative uh, was having you on and and someone from the arena and so just uh, so grateful that it actually happened and thank you for sharing and and coming on and making time for us and I hope you guys out there listening I really enjoyed this and took something home and really got a better picture for the international picture and and what the arena is doing who they are, the initiatives they have for geothermal, but even beyond geothermal and how they really are on the forefront of trying to make the energy transition come to life for for all countries. So thank you, Jack, and thank you to our listeners and all those that support out there. And, And again, please make sure you like and subscribe to the show, leave us a review, share it with anyone you think would enjoy this content. And again, thank you for to JRG for making conversations like this possible and for future ones that you guys will hear in the future. So wherever this is catching you, hope you're having a wonderful day out there and we'll be talking soon. Thank you.